Welcome to the Geek Cheek Podcast, where we feel no shame. Well, sometimes we do. We're going to talk about that. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beej. Shameless. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> Shameless as a man can be. It's Garth Brooks. Okay, I'll take your word for it. I don't know, Garth Brooks. Um, We are talking about gaming shames today, which this is, you're better equipped to explain this topic, because this is your topic, really. Yeah, I was on the RPG After Years Discord, uh, and they're at RPG Years on Twitter, y'all, for uh, those of you who either don't know them or want to, uh, and they were talking about getting ideas for their RPG shames, where uh, they talk about things that they're ashamed to have never done or played in their RPG careers, and so they wanted to hear confessions and shames from the community, uh, and the example that they gave was uh, they never even attempted the uh, ruby and emerald weapons in Final Fantasy 7. So just stuff that's kind of ubiquitous among gamers of that type, uh, and they had just never done it. And uh, I know that uh, Capsule J has talked about this in the past, so I was like, what are... We should talk about that. Like, what are our shames in this? Like, just in general gaming shames. Like, there have to be things that other people have done that we've avoided for one reason or another or just completely passed by us. And so I thought that would be a fun one to talk about. So I'm, right. I'm curious on those things, as many games as you have played and, and play in general, uh, like what those kind of things are that you've not done that you, you know, quote unquote, should have been doing. Yeah. And that's the thing is I was trying to think like for sh like I don't feel shame about gaming a whole lot. And right. there was a point years ago, it was before the podcast or right near the beginning of the podcast where um, I had switched over to like I I'm play I play a game until I feel like I'm done with it and then I move on and I just check it off my list and then I don't feel bad about it. Right. Right. It's like whatever I got from that game is what I got. And it doesn't mean I have to finish it. I don't have to complete it. I don't feel the urge to 100% it or get trophies or any of that. It's like as long as I mentally feel like I got what I wanted out of that game, I move on from it. And yeah. if there's a game that I really wanted to play or I feel like was missing from my back catalog for the most part, I've played them um, or I've made time to play them. So it was really hard for me to pick out some um, but I did eventually, like, I had to think about this topic really hard, which is, it, it was a good one for you to bring up because it actually made me think for a while. Um, but I landed on a couple of them. And so uh, a handful of them are actually RPG-based, which is interesting, seeing as where this comes from, the original right. topic. Um, but one of mine was the Dragon Quest series because as much as I love Final Fantasy and I like a lot of the other things that Square Enix has done, I just have never been able to get into Dragon Quest as a series. And I've actually beaten one and two on iOS, like on mobile. I beat right. those two games. But I, f I always feel like I should like Dragon Quest more than I ever actually do when I try to play it. Um, and it's just because it's like Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy are held up as like two pillars of RPGs um, right. in the world, yeah. right? And they're both JRPGs and they're both from not the exact same developers, but from the same uh, parent company. Um and it feels like if I love Final Fantasy as much as I should, or as much as I do, I should like Dragon Quest a lot, and I just don't, which is fascinating to me given how much like you love it. You have a whole other podcast about it. Yeah, I mean, I really love the Dragon Quest games, and I I think with you having only beaten one and two, those are two of them that I haven't yet. Like, I've started and played them, but I've not beaten them. I think that may be part of your problem is because they're 
NES games, and they're still, even with the remakes and ports that they've done, are still NES games where uh, I just beat four a couple of weeks ago that was a DS remake, and it's a DS remake of an original NES game, and it still feels like that in some ways, just the way the game is structured. Um, so I know that you've tried the Dragon Quest 11s demo on Switch, and there are multiple reasons that you ended up bouncing off of it, but I'm it is one of those that when you're in the mood for a turn-based RPG, like if that's what you want, there is really not a better option to go to. Like they're the gold standard of what a, a true turn-based RPG should be. And as much as you like Final Fantasy, I really am amazed because they're uh they're very, very similar in a lot of ways. Uh, it's just that Final Fantasy is more experimental and Dragon Quest is more iterative. Well, and it's even... Okay, so even when I have been in the mood for a turn-based, like, classic RPG, I I have tried these games. I've tried almost every Dragon Quest game. Like, I've played a little bit of... I don't want to say absolutely every one of them, but I'm going to say, like, 90% of them. Um and I've given them a shot, and they just never stick. It just never does anything for me. And it 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 makes me sad for that because it's I, it's something I care about and like so much because I like the a I love the community and b it's just the games themselves are wholesome. It's uh, I know that Austin actually couldn't play Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh, he went back to Dragon Quest because it was too serious. Like it was, it's so heavy. I mean, it is a very heavy, serious game. It takes itself seriously, and Dragon Quest t- covers serious tones and serious topics, but with a light-hearted way. And that's one of the things I like about it too is that it's uh, it is very well aware that it is a a I don't even want to say a comic, but a fantastical kind of stylized rpg and like that's what you have to be in the mood for to play one it's not when you're sitting down wanting to play final fantasy 15 and uh something like that that you're gonna really want to play a dragon quest if that's the kind of game you're looking for yeah and i just i don't know it, it never clicks for me so i guess i don't know again i don't know if any of these are true shame but there's definitely feelings of like regret and like why don't i quite get this mixed in there which i think is kind of falls within this topic um and then another one for me is final fantasy crisis core and this is because i i never owned a psp when this game was like available for it because i did own a psp for a little while but eventually i sold it um and then when i got around to having a vita and you could go back and like download psp games and play Mm -hmm. them on that this one was never available so which is so silly i don't oh it still makes me so mad that you can't get crisis core on there as digital Uh, like i don't understand that choice yeah and i just i never you know (laughs) emulating is always a pain so i only do it once in a great while and i never got around to emulating this one either so it's really it's not one that i wouldn't play it's just one that i haven't had the right opportunity to play and i feel like um outside of the mainline final fantasy games which i've played all of this is really the only offshoot that i feel like sad to have missed you know and i would absolutely play it if it came around again in a remaster or a redistribution or some way i could just go buy it and play it i would do that yeah, I mean, I've I've thought about going and getting a PSP like on the, you know, a, a used one on eBay with a copy of this because it has to be one that can play the UMD discs and I've just not wanted to spend the money on a new console and the game that still goes for, you know, $50-ish uh 
because it's you know Final Fantasy Crisis Core, but I don't want to drop that money on it. I've never wanted to enough. Like it's kind of one of mine too, where I've started emulating it, but then I'm just like, eh, I'd rather play it on a PSP than here, you know, on my Kindle or on my uh, my phone in an emulator. So it's, I'd like to play it. I'm the same. I'm the same way with you on that one. Yeah. Well, and didn't you have a Final Fantasy one on your list too? Yeah, I. Uh, Final Fantasy twelve is mine. I I feel shame in that I hate it. Like I hate Final Fantasy twelve. Like I love the story and I want to get through it so badly, but I hate the combat so much that I just avoid it. And I feel bad because I love the series. I love the story, but I just can't make myself push through the combat in Final Fantasy twelve. It is everything that I hate in RPG combat and it's just it breaks my heart. I'm kind of ashamed because it's like I know that story is great. I know the narrative is fantastic, but I just can't push through because of the systems. Like every time I try, I bounce off and I try and try and try and try and try. Do you just not like the gambit system no i hate the the gambit system's fine whatever that's not it it's the actual in-game combat where your characters are fighting the other people like i hate it like i don't like not being able to really control my characters i don't like that it's like uh uh almost turn-based action combat where I don't get to control exactly what my character does even though it's trying to be action. I don't know. I just I absolutely hate it. That I hate it that it's slow. I hate it on at four times speed on the Switch. Like, I've tried everything to get through it and uh, if there were a god mode way to put it on there and just plow through the story like on Switch, I would absolutely do it. Yeah, um, I don't think you're the only one who has that opinion of that game like it's it's one of those where i know people who love it and hold it up as their favorite final fantasy and i can totally see why i just can't stand the combat even a little the gambits are fine it's just everything else about it like i don't mind having to set up the way gambits and uh the ai works it was the actual you know minute to minute combat the way that people fought yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that's one where I am very neutral on that Final Fantasy. As far as Final Fantasies go, 12 is right. probably consistently somewhere in the middle of my list. It's fine. It's not great. It's not horrible. It's okay. But like, I, I understand. I completely understand people who are in the position you're in and feel like that about it. Like, I can see where you're coming from, and I can't argue with any of it. It's just a, a matter of preference. Yeah, it is. And so it's kind of like the uh, the RPG years. I think it was Bill that may have uh, posted that uh, saying like it's uh, I get not fighting Emerald Weapon. It's like sometimes you just can't make yourself. And it's like, well, yep, that's the way I feel about Final Fantasy 12. Well, it's kind of like you in the Dragon Quest. Yeah. Didn't you have another one on here about uh, boss fights? Uh, yeah, like if a final boss is too hard for me, like on any game, uh, and I really don't feel like grinding for the hours to beat it, like Xenoblade Chronicles, um, I'll just watch the ending on YouTube and move on, like and consider it beaten, uh, because I don't think that that is fun. It removes that aspect of uh, gameplay for me. Like if there's not a post game i'm gonna do then and the game actually ends right there um and that's where i'm going to move on from 
I'll just put it down, watch the ending, and be like, okay, that's finished now. I've beaten that game. Uh, Because I don't feel the need to actually have performed the actions that got there because I played through like, you know, 60 hours of a game and then adding another eight hours of grinding onto it just so that uh, it's actually finished on my version of it. Now I'll go watch it on YouTube. Like that's yeah. one of those things. Like there are a lot of bosses like that that I've done. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I know that I have because it's a thing I do. Yeah, I mean that's totally valid too. Um, I I don't usually do that. Typically, if I'm all the way at that final boss, I will push through just out of sheer stubbornness. But I've definitely gotten to a part where I'm like far enough into a game where I'm committed that I want to see the ending of the story, but I really don't care about the gameplay anymore or the achievements or the trophies or whatever. Right. Um. So, yeah, at that point, I will do the same thing. I'll just watch the last little bit on YouTube. Yep. And it doesn't feel the same. Like, that's the thing. It doesn't feel the same as though I'm watching it on my console. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I didn't spend those hours not having fun. And that's really what it boils down to, where I feel like that tiniest bit of like gamer shame, like I should have beat that game. Like, But I technically beat that game. Like, that's the way I look at it is I've beaten that game. I just didn't beat this boss. Yeah. Well, you mentioned there were some other games that you just never got around to or never went back to that are kind of on your list, right? All the Mario 3D World games, like Mario 3D Land, 3D World, uh, never touched them. They're your favorites in the series, and I have never touched them. I've never played them. I don't know anything about them other than that they are cats, and that the cats and like Meowser or something is in there, because I know from Mario Maker 2, and then like the same thing. I've never finished Mario Sunshine, never finished Mario Galaxy. Uh, I've never even tried Galaxy 2. It's like, I love Super Mario games, and I really love the 3D games, but I don't know why. Like, it's just one of those things where it's, I'll play some of them, and then, eh, not at all. Yeah, that is super interesting. I do think that uh, Mario 3D World is probably one of my favorite in the series, if not my absolute favorite. So it would be good if they re-release that on Switch, which would not surprise me at all, just given the Wii U sales in general. Uh, right. So if that happens, I hope you go back to it. Oh, absolutely. Like, that's the thing. I keep hearing rumors about a lot of these games being re-released this year on Switch because it's Mario's 35th anniversary. And so I'm really hoping that we get like a Mario Sunshine re-release and Mario 3D World re-release because I want to play them. And I mean, I have Galaxy and Galaxy 2 over here on the shelf and I can hook it into the Wii U at any point. But uh, Sunshine, I don't know where my copy is if I even still have it. It. and then uh i don't even have the mario 3d world games so it's just like man i know i should have played those i just don't and i know i was gaming during these periods where like it was uh like they were there i just didn't like they were just not even not a non-entity for me at that point and i'm like i really should have done that man they're mario games yeah that's interesting do you have any other like big ones on your list that you've missed out on or feel like you have minecraft like I'll okay. always go back to Minecraft. I want to like Minecraft. And I've started liking builder games. Just can't get into Minecraft. It's like I feel so much like I see people talking about it and getting excited about it. I even wandered in Target the other day. So Jennifer and I actually took a day and put our masks on and needed to go out to the store. So we went to Target. That was where we decided to go that it's actually a safer bet in Target uh, here to go out and grab something you need um, because I actually needed some shirts. And so uh, we went there and there were two kids in the in the I guess they're they 
I mean, they're kids. They're, they were probably 14 years old. And uh, so it was like I heard them talking about getting on the game tonight. Uh, one of somebody had some. One of them had somebody uh, call. And I was like, "Yeah, I'll be on the game tonight." And then his friend, I heard him say, uh, "You know what game?" And he was like, "I don't know, Minecraft, I guess." And uh, I'm just like, even still today, like that's just the default for so many people. And I've never been able to get into it. Like I've never been able to see the appeal of actual Minecraft. And I feel like I've missed that somehow. Uh, like I'll never be able to fully grasp what people get into, uh, like, out of Minecraft. Yeah, I think I think you might have missed the when it was like huge at the right yeah. age, right when it came out. Like, I don't know. I don't see a whole lot of older people coming to Minecraft and then getting absorbed in it. But right. when I think back about when I was really into it, was like college, like right when it was coming out, when it was in alpha and beta, um, and then everyone I know that's into it now either started playing in college or earlier and still plays it or it's people that are kids that are like new to gaming and they're getting into it um, right yeah there's something about Minecraft that I don't think it clicks for adults quite as well which is it's interesting to me that that's true it's not I mean obviously nothing's true 100% across the board but just in what I've observed that seems to be kind of mostly true what year did Minecraft come out can you um, remember the actual release date? Like, when you were into yeah. it in Alpha and Beta, like, what year was that? I think the official release date was, like, 2010, which means Alpha and Beta so, would have been, like, 2007. Okay, so that's what I was maybe. thinking. I was thinking it was 2010 was the actual, like, release date of it. And I had finished my master's at that point and was teaching full-time, so, like, I was, like professional adult at this point not gaming a lot so like when that happened i was only basically playing wow so again like during that point where you know i'm thinking about a phd minecraft is not where my brain was at all so like i really did just miss it like i missed the minecraft boat yeah and i think that i was really into it in it must have been one of the earlier alphas or betas because I know that the game officially came out in like 2010 or 2011, but when I was playing, it was probably 2007, 2008, maybe 2009, somewhere in that range. Um, right. Where, yeah, definitely I was not in adult mode fully yet. I was still in college mode, so things were different. Yeah, um, and if I had discovered that in college, like even then I was out of college by the time uh, by the time 2007 I graduated in 2006. Why did I say 2006? Who says that? Like... <laughs> What is wrong with me? Uh, so, like, I graduated in, in 2006. So, after that, it was World of Warcraft and things like that. So, it was even then beyond that where I would have a large group of friends who could play it all together just right there. So, it was – it just, you know, blew past me. And it makes me sad that I don't get it, but I'll never get it. It's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Any other big ones on your list? Not that I can think of. Like, okay. I'm – I got a I'm couple. Trying yeah, like I've I've thought about, it and I know there are. Like I'm looking at my games over here to the uh, to the left. Uh, but I mean, I guess the closest would probably be Diablo. Like I don't feel like I've ever given Diablo a real fair shake. So I'm excited for Diablo Four for me to be able to sit down with something and really like know what I'm getting into because that's probably the biggest one other than that. Like that I'm like, man, everybody loves Diablo, but me. Like what is it? Just Again, I mean, I even played the first one extensively, but I, after that, two and three just don't, again, just blew right past me. Yeah, sometimes that happens. Um, 
for me, I mean, I have a couple other ones. And again, I had to kind of dig deep for these. But one for me was KOTOR 2, so Knights of the Old mm. Republic 2. And it's because as much as I loved Knights of the Old Republic and like Mass Effect games later, which are kind of, you know, they built that out from... It, I'm, it's all interrelated, right? Plus it's right. Star Wars, plus it's an RPG. Like, I should love that game. And yep. I've just never been able to get into KOTOR 2 because it's this like weird buggy mess. And even after like there are fan patches for it that supposedly fix all the content smooth out all the problems make it much easier to get into i've tried that i've tried like everything that anyone has recommended i've patched that game so much just to like you know mod it patch it do whatever that people say makes it better and makes it good and i still have barely ever gotten out of the starting area it just there's something about it that doesn't work for me and i adored kotor 2 that I maybe I don't understand. Okay, so I played it on Xbox. I'm looking over here. Hold on, let me see. It was regular Xbox. Okay, so I played it on Xbox when it was new. I may be the only person who never had it bug out, but one time. I don't understand why everyone says that it's a weird buggy mess. I never had any problems with it until the final boss fight. Like I was fighting and I'm not going to say what it is because eventually somebody is going to play this and and it is a spoiler for the game, but I'm fighting the final boss fight and like I die like three or four times. Like, like this main boss is just, just kicking my tail up and down. It glitches somehow where I'm able to beat the boss and like the big attack got stuck and I was just able to basically, you know, beat them with my lightsabers and force lightning them. And that's the only bug that ever impacted my gameplay that I had in that game at all. And it just let me beat the final boss easier. So I was cool with it and went, saw the ending. Everything was great. Like I never had the first problem with it like so many other people did. Interesting. Well, I take that back. I had the first problem, and it wasn't a problem. It was awesome. (laughs) I had nothing but problems with that game so that's that's definitely different experience than i had yeah um completely because i do love that game like because of the experience i had with it it actually does and just stuff that was going on in my life at the time like my dad had a heart attack uh during that period so i was actually using knights of the old republic 2 as kind of an escape for stuff like that so it holds a uh a nice spot in my heart in terms of nostalgia uh but also when i hear people ragging on it for being buggy i'm like I just got lucky, man. Like, I never had to deal with any of that. I hate it that you did because I really, really love that game. Yeah, and I I just couldn't get into it. Yeah. Um, so, again, I'm kind of digging deep here because it's like some of these just didn't click for me. But the one that was like all of these other ones were kind of like, oh, I missed out or the timing didn't work out or something, right? Or I've tried it and I've really tried it and I feel like I should like it, but I don't. None of those are truly shame. The only one that I actually felt shame about when I was trying to make this list, I saved for last, and it's Assassin's right. Creed Rogue. And okay. this is my biggest regret on here, and probably my biggest gaming regret or shame, because it is a mainline Assassin's Creed game, and it's literally the only one I haven't played in the mainline, right? There's spinoffs and stuff, but let's not worry about those for right now. Just, like, don't <laughs> worry about that when I play Final Fantasy, right? There's right. too many. And there, there's those are... <laughs> You know, some are mobile titles. Some of them were handheld titles. They are of varying quality, but I'm not going to worry about those. I'm talking about the mainline games. And Assassin's Creed Rogue is really weird because it's this in-between release that came out exclusively on Xbox 360 and PS3 
after they were releasing Assassin's Creed games on PS4 and Xbox One. So what? we were, yes, we were in the current generation of consoles that we're in right now. So the generation that we're about to go beyond and, once right. we get into, you know, the holiday season of this year. Um, so it, like Assassin's Creed Unity came out on PS4 on the same day that Assassin's Creed Rogue came out on PS3 and Xbox 360. They released huh. on the same day, but there wasn't any overlap between the consoles. So that thing where they normally do it, where like they will release a game and it will overlap console generations, where it'll play mm-hmm. better or it'll be better or have extended content on the new generation, they didn't yeah. do that. They made it a completely different game for the older consoles and a completely different game for the newer consoles. And I picked up the newer game that day, and I just never got around to going back and playing Rogue. Huh. And that and I was about to say, like, like that's what I was gonna ask. Was it a, a case of never getting around to it? Because like I know you had a three sixty and a PS3, or at least a PS3. And I'm like, you love the AC game, so it's not like you were just like got rid of your console and was like, Well, never gonna play that one. And it's just like I was I was curious if it was purposeful at that point, because it's a weird release regardless. But I'm like I'm really amazed that you never went back to it well no because it's like those consoles were put away by the time it came out because this was not like okay so let's let's compare it to what's happening this year with assassin's creed valhalla right assassin's creed valhalla is coming out it's going to be on ps4 and xbox one and pc and other places too but we also know it's going to be on ps5 it's going to be on xbox series x right so if i end up getting a ps5 later this year i'll just grab it on that and i'll have like the the best playing version of it and if i don't no big deal i'm gonna grab it on ps4 and that's what they normally do between console generations right this when assassin's creed rogue um imagine if we're a year in the future and everybody is totally in the mode of ps5 and xbox series x and then they released an assassin's creed for the old system and the new system but you had put away your ps4 that's what was happening like that's the timeline for assassin's creed rogue like mm. i didn't have my 360 or my ps3 hooked up anymore um so it was it would have been a huge pain to try to play this game um it's weird it's just weird that they did that yeah i mean and I tend to keep an old generation console hooked up just because of the space, the way that our TV and everything is, is like hooked up. Like I still have a Wii and a Wii U in my TV entertainment center. Like it's weird, but uh, like, and I had the PS3 hooked up until like my nephew borrowed it a couple of weeks ago, but it was like, I see how if it's packed away and not still just added in on the uh on the entertainment center how that would be like well it's a lot of trouble to get to uh so maybe they'll do a re-release of it and you'll be able to get to it yeah yeah for sure um cool that's probably it for this main topic anyway this is kind of a fun weird topic so thank you for finding this one and it made me think of another question that i'm gonna hold for next week and that's gonna be our topic that's kind of building off of this thought so more on that next week um before we get into weekly geekery don't forget you can support the podcast and the podcast network uh bj you have more on this this week don't you sure uh you can support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast we're working on some new stuff for patreon we really want to uh, get the community more involved so what we're doing is we're really suggesting that patron well 
what we're doing is getting patrons to suggest ideas for shows, and then we're going to have patrons vote on them for which ones that they want to hear us do the most. So if you want to throw your idea in the hat, you can go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast Check that out. All patron levels, all that. That's just the first of the things like we're trying to think of and do for a Patreon-exclusive uh, content and things like that. But we really wanted to uh, to hear about some of the stuff that y'all want us to talk about rather than you know things that we we think are really cool uh, because generally also if y'all think it's cool then we think it's cool so uh, go to patreon.com slash geek to geek cast and uh, give us your ideas yeah and like we said we're part of a network we have podcasts we have streamers we have the geekery blog all of that and more at geekteekmedia.com lots of awesome content from people that we love hanging out with we do. Um, with that it's time for weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week what have you been up to okay so I got an email uh a couple of weeks ago from someone at TKO Studios named Shannon. And I didn't know what TKO Studios was at the time, so I Googled it and uh, looked it up and everything. And this... uh this is a comics creation studio uh, that is really looking at comics due in a different way. And uh, she asked if she could send some comics for me to check out uh, and so that we could talk about and uh, really, you know, get to know what they're doing and talk about it with our with our listeners. And I said, yes, of course, th- they sound awesome. And in the email, she was talking about how they had creators like Jeff Lemire and Garth Ennis. And uh, it, it's founded by Zay Chun, um, which I'm, I'm hoping I'm saying his name right. I apologize if I'm not, um, and uh, who wrote for Gotham and Once Upon a Time. And so it was like really cool people who I like and uh, like I know their work pretty well. So I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And so it came in the mail this weekend and um, I didn't really know what to expect. And so I opened it up and there are a couple of graphic novels in there that I'll talk about in the future. Um, and then I opened it up as well. And they are these box sets of six issue story arcs and the way that they release their comics isn't on a regular basis they do them like netflix like there are these premium box sets of six issues that you are that are released and then later they come out as trades oh that's cool and that's interesting really cool and so like i didn't realize that like i knew that they were like bingeable comics it was one of the one of the things i'd read about it and so i was excited to come in and and read it when they came well I was excited to read it. And so when they came in and I saw this, I was like, why are these in boxes and these are trades? And I opened it up and that's why. And so the first one I read, I went to the name that I like the most. Like I knew Jeff Lemire from Animal Man in the DC's New 52, which was just phenomenal. I never thought that I would like Animal Man comics, but uh, my my cousin John got me to read them and they're phenomenal. Y'all should go read Animal Man as well. But he, he wrote this book called Sentinel. And I read the first issue of this. I sat down, undid it. Like, it's really cool in this box set. Like, super high-quality paper. Like, I know this sounds like an ad, but, like, I was really crazy impressed by this, y'all. Like, I did not expect something this high-quality. And it's like this almost cardstock, kind of really super premium paper on these individual issues. And I love reading individual issues of comics. Like, I like that better if I can rather than a trade. And so, like, I'm reading this, and it's about a a spaceship moving into a different colony and they are going into the like this black zone 
where they're cut off from Earth uh, for a year and they're cut off from their colony they're heading to, communications for a year. So they're on their own traveling through what they're calling this black zone of communications. And so um, they find out like seven minutes beforehand that there's like an uprising, a separatist uprising on the colony they're heading to and that it's like basically under civil war and they hadn't heard anything about this, like things are crazy and then communication is cut and they don't know any more information that came through and immediately it turns out there was a separatist on the ship uh and all of the adults online die and are killed by the separatist and it's only the kids that are left and as the ship is uh, as the adults die they remove all in order to kill the separatists one of the adults removes the uh like mission protocols like the protective parameters from the ai so basically it's a series following these kids on a ship going to a world under under uh civil war where the ai is learning how to be sentient without like ai per like like basically without a restraining bolt from Star Wars for the very first time and while it's learning to take care of these kids it was fascinating it sounds I, like it that sounds like a really interesting premise it was i could not put it down like this is one where actually i thought i was going to read one issue and uh, i just sat there and read all six of them and i know that i got this one for free that they sent this to me i am 100% buying this when the next sentinel collection comes out like it was fan Fantastic! Like, uh, I know this is what they want when people send review copies of stuff, but hands down, that was one of the, like, just best comics experiences that I've had in a long time. Uh, so I cannot recommend Sentinel enough from uh, TKO Studios. Um, and if you're curious about them, you can get digital copies of all of their first issues on their website. And I actually waited on getting those, uh, so I didn't, uh, like, I was, like, op- did a, my own little unboxing party for myself to see what what it was when they came in and uh, like i didn't want to know what to expect and uh, like i read it and like highly recommend y'all go uh, download the first issues of at least sentinel um it is fantastic um cannot cannot recommend it enough um also started avatar the last airbender have you watched it i know you don't like cartoons it may not be your thing yeah i tried i i couldn't do it i couldn't get into that show Okay, so I'm curious, because Jennifer and I thought we weren't going to be able to either, and I'm curious on why you couldn't get into it, because I know it's not necessarily your thing, and I didn't expect you'd be able to get into it, but I actually am curious on why. Uh, It was just too slow with the plot. Like, I don't know, and it was too predictable, too. It was really, really predictable. Um, I watched the first season, and then I just gave up. Okay, see, I love the first season. And yeah, it's predictable. I mean, it's a Nickelodeon kids show. But right. it does deal with so many cool things. Like Jennifer and I, you know, like I said, I, we tend to watch TV a little differently than some people because that was what we went to school for. And so we're seeing all this stuff and, and we've had it recommended. And it's just we love the characters. Like we are in the middle of season two now and I am crazy impressed by this show. Um, I'd never watched it before. So I'm really excited to actually finish this one and start Legends of Korra. Legends to Korra uh, because it's supposed to be even better so I'm super excited about it I think my problem was I liked the world a lot and the setting was really cool the characters did absolutely nothing for me and they actively turned me away from the show so what I've heard is that Legend of Korra is way better for that so I should probably get around to watching that one instead 
You should. Like, I've heard it standalone, where it takes place, I think, 74 years after the uh, the, the regular the last, yeah, the last no, airbender. Yeah, it is. You're right. So, I, I watched the first couple episodes of Legend of Korra, and I was like, ooh, this is interesting. And then I just, I don't at some point, I got to, like, sit down and commit to it. Right. And so I'm excited to see what you think about it, because I think I'm going to adore it as much as I adore this one. And like, I really, really like the characters. And in season two, you find out the backstory for some of the characters uh, more than you did. And there's one character um, who might have the most tragic backstory of any like character that I can think of. Jennifer and I are just sitting there. It's like, this is a Nickelodeon's kids show and this is heavy. This made me feel bad. Like this is some stuff. And uh, like we were, we were amazed. They put that in a Nickelodeon uh, show. Like you're not going to watch it. Other people like you find out a lot more about Zuko's past in season two. And so it's just like, man, this show It's like, we, we couldn't stop watching it. So highly recommend y'all who have never gotten into last airbender give it a shot it took about three episodes to really sink its teeth in but i liked it from the first one and then i finally beat dragon quest 4 uh i talked about it i've moved into dragon quest 7 and i think i had mentioned it last week i may not have but it's i really like the characters a lot more i'm i'm moving through it and i'm having a great time but it's the longest dragon quest game it has about a hundred hours of stuff in it. If you're just going to beat it, um, you might be able to get away with 60 to 80 if you rush certain parts, but it's the longest DQ game by far. And, but it's episodic. And so everything is like in these small little vignettes that all tie together. Uh, and I think it does it a lot better than four does, but I love that because I can right now I need a palate cleanser. I need to do something. I actually went back to, uh, uh, I went back to Link's Awakening on the Switch. I just needed something that I knew was quick, something kind of silly, fun, and actiony. And so I actually chose Link's Awakening this time because I hadn't ever given it a real shot. And it's really good. It is almost exactly what I thought it would be. I know that you and I have talked about before how like it was uh like you couldn't get into the original one. And I have so many memories of the original one that this one is like a scene for scene remake in most ways. And so like I remember so much about it, but I realized today what was bugging me about it, even though I really, really, really am having fun with it. It feels like baby's first Zelda is what yeah. it feels like. Yeah, I can see that. And like there's the there's this owl that comes in and he tells you where to go every time you finish up an area. He's like, maybe next time you should go to the Yarba Desert or why don't you check behind this waterfall in the mountains and jump down from the height so that you can get to it. And it's like, come on, man, I can figure this stuff out. But it really feels like it is an open uh, like a, an entry level zelda for people and i mean i guess that's what it was on the on the game boy like it was on what was at that point considered a kid's console it was a a toned down version of link to the past and so i really understand why it feels like this but i didn't actually can think about that at the time that how toned down it was but as a remake i'm still having a really good time except for that stupid blur that hurts my eyes when i'm walking around the overworld <laughs> okay that's cool though i'm glad that you found it as a palate cleanser from a yeah. super long game yeah i think I, I think that's really what has done it is that it is a palate cleanser as opposed to being like this main game i really want to focus on it's just something i'm kind of doing and playing and having fun with that was that was really the mindset change i needed to be in cool well i'm sure you'll have more dragon quest 7 reports as you go along yeah. 
faux show. Yeah. Um, I watched 1917 this week, which okay. have you seen the previews of that one? You know what that one I is? Saw, I saw previews for it, and it is a war movie that I can understand why people would appreciate it, but I will honestly likely never see. Yeah, it's a fantastic war movie. It's, um, I mean, it's a war movie, right? Like, it shows horrible things in war so you got to be in the right mindset for that um but the the gimmick for this one or like the the claim to fame is that it's like a one-shot movie which it's not actually they're using all sorts of production tricks but when you watch the movie it feels like the camera is one shot from the beginning of the movie all the way to the end okay it's kind of like birdman yeah yeah same idea um and because of that it makes it feel even more intense and you feel like Mm -hmm. you're in the moment um and it's used so effectively so it's a super intense but really well made look at like a world war one setting um i would not recommend it if you're like squeamish or if you don't like war movies um and even if you are okay with those which like for me it really depends on my mood and my headspace um but i was in the right headspace so i watched it this is one that you probably want to watch you know like in the morning on a weekend with the sun <laughs> out so that you have the whole rest of the day to think about other things that aren't war afterwards. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it was good. So I wanted to mention it because it was probably one of the better movies that I've watched this year. That I completely see that it could be, that it would be for people. It has I have zero interest in it after seeing the trailers, but I cannot deny the uh the the production quality that uh from the trailers. I saw I'm so glad that you liked it. Yeah. And then my other thing, I may have done a little bit of a head fake at the end of the last topic. Um here's <laughs> I what saw happened. that. I didn't I didn't look into the notes and then I just scrolled down like I know you wait didn't. a second. You like I'd seen like I knew you were talking about nineteen seventeen and I'd seen some of the other stuff on here. Somehow I completely missed all of this section and I'm like, Oh, I see what you did there. You tricked me. Yeah. You so trickster. what happened was we were gonna do this topic and then you had life come up last week, and so that gave me a week to sit and think about my gaming shame. So I went and I beat Assassin's <laughs> Creed Rogue. And <laughs> That's what I did this last week. That's my weekly geekery. Um, I don't feel shame about it anymore because I've beaten it. I have conquered it. Uh, Assassin's Creed Rogue was very interesting. Um, it's this. It's a really weird fit into the mainline story. And I know that now because I've beaten it. I'm going to keep saying that because I'm proud that I've beaten it. Um, <laughs> see? See, that's the thing. Um, uh, it makes me really happy that you've beaten it. Like, like their, their words, like using the word shame, it's like you are proud that you have beaten this now. And that, that, that has made put this big dumb grin on my face. Yeah, and so what I found was they actually remastered the game and re-released it in 2018. So that's Did when it they? actually came out on current-gen consoles. So that's the uh, version okay. I picked up. I, even though the game came out in 2014 at the same time unity did it came out on ps4 in 2018 so it's not that old as like a ps4 game um the remaster version anyway and it's a really strange fit into the mainline story because i played the rest of the mainline games right like we just talked about um this is wedged right between assassin's creed 3 and assassin's creed 4 which 4 is also black flag that was okay. the one where they did a subtitle and a number black flag and 4 is the same game um but it's for both mechanics and for story. It's like right between those two. So it takes place after four, but before three, because that's the way the timeline works, um, which gives it a strange feel. And the setting is during the French and Indian War, which is part of the Seven Years War in history. So it's essentially a prequel to Assassin's Creed Three, and like um, the whole American War for Independence and, you know, the basically that like the revolutionary war in america which is the setting of assassin's creed 3 this is a prequel to that but 
also there are parts of this that tie into unity so this almost acts as like a tease and a prequel for unity and assassin's creed 3 all at the same Mm. time which is kind of impressive they did all of that with one game but it also feels wedged in in a very strange way because of it that sounds like okay so i don't play the ac games like i only have the the broadest strokes of like what the story is so everything you just said makes no sense to me in terms of how it fits into there but i'm impressed how they were able to do all of that in one what maybe i don't even want to say it's a spinoff game because it's a mainline game but it's odd in one weird little game yeah so if i put it another way if i were to lay out the mainline assassin's creed games and try to lay out an order for somebody to play them in i would have no idea where to put this game right maybe that's a better way to say it like it's in such a weird spot in the timeline um And so the premise of this one is that you actually become a Templar. So you go rogue, right? You start out as an assassin, and that's why the game is called Assassin's Creed Rogue, because you go rogue and you become a Templar. And it feels like a budget Assassin's Creed title in a way that none of the other mainline games do. And Hmm. they throw all these mechanics at you with no real explanation. It really just assumes that you've played a bunch of the other games in the series. And this absolutely has the worst tutorials and onboarding of any Assassin's Creed mainline game that I've played. Um, This is not a good onboarding point for the series for anybody like at all. I Hmm. would never recommend this one as an onboarding point, but it is the old action style of Assassin's Creed games before they moved into RPGs with the last couple that have come out. Right. Um, so that was kind of fun to get back to because I did like the action combat of these games. And ships are in this one, kind of like Black Flag, but also kind of like some of the other games. And at this point, I'm kind of sick of Assassin's Creed ships. Like, I could just leave them and never come back to them, and I think I would be fine. Um you know, Ubisoft keeps saying they're going to do that Skull and Bones game and, like, break off the ship combat into its own series, but they haven't yet, and they haven't found a good way to get that out of the Assassin's Creed games. <laughs> and I've played it. It's not bad. Like, the ship combat and the ship mechanics aren't bad. It's just that I've now played them in, like, five different Assassin's Creed games, and I think I'm ready to just be done with it. Um, so that was one thing that was kind of annoying. It, the, the main thing is I'm really glad that I beat it and I saw the story, I just don't think I would recommend it to somebody unless they were trying to do what I've done and be like a mainline uh, completionist for the series. Yeah. And that's, I'm so glad that you did because it's, uh, I'm glad that you were able to remove that. Uh, I'm interested, like, I'm interesting. It's well. Let me, let me rephrase this. I'm glad that you were able to beat it and get to that point with it. And I think it's interesting that going back to it, that you actually had an old action style AC game that you were able to play new, because I know that you've wanted it to actually feel like an assassin again for a while. Yeah. Oh, and I totally did too, because like I felt like I could just take on anyone because there's no levels. You know, that's what always yeah. felt cheap about the newest ones is like I know what I'm doing. I've played basically every one of these games now and to not be able to execute it because that person is level 50 and i'm only level 30 like that just Mm -hmm. feels so horrible um and to go back to a game that has no levels no like rpg mechanics in it um it's really just you upgrade your equipment which is kind of been in all the assassin's creed game and you get more powerful but there's no hard levels that will just stop you from doing something so that aspect felt so good to go back to 
Yeah, I bet it did. Like I, that that makes me happy as your friend because I know it's something that that is very rare that when a series has moved on from something that especially one that you play consistently year after year after year with every iteration uh that you can go back and have an old style experience for the ver- like for the very first time. And so I think it's neat that you were able to this time. Yeah, well and the other thing is I think outside of uh, the very first Assassin's Creed, which hasn't been remastered or remade, I think I own all the remasters for the rest of the mainline series on PS4. And I'm kind of tempted to just go back and try them all before Valhalla comes out because this has given me a taste for that old style. And I'm kind of like, do all those old ones hold up? Maybe they do. And now I want to know. I started the first one maybe a couple of years ago. I remember talking about it on here briefly, um, but it held up as a as that kind of game for me going back to the first for the first time. Like having not played any of them, actually starting with AC One, it didn't feel like it was a super awkward uh, remaster of a game or anything. I played it on PC when they did an HD uh, remaster that I grabbed through Humble Bundle interesting so yeah i might have more assassin's creed between now and valhalla we'll see what i end up doing that'll be cool i I look forward to seeing uh what comes of that i want to want you to do a full assassin's creed replay through like you do final fantasy and zelda (laughs) and everything i might i might to some extent at the very least i think i'm going to sample some of those and then yeah then i'll make my decision um so with that that's probably the end of the show. Uh, you guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have some great discussions on Slack, Discord, and Reddit. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure that you check out all the other content on the network like blogs and video game reviews and so much more. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's. And I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast show about the Square Enix RPG series. Uh, we've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, everybody. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Comics. Movies. K-pop. Disney Plus. Keanu. Keanu Reeves. New. Or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu.